1: Visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show number six hundred and fifty-one. It's kind of interesting to realize that although airplanes have been around in one form or another for more than a hundred years, we're still learning how to make them fly better by studying birds. The latest example? Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a- A robotic albatross. Yeah. Albatrosses employ a technique known as dynamic soaring, in which they take advantage of the differences between the wind speeds close to the water and the wind speeds at higher elevation, so they can travel many miles a day with hardly a flap of their extremely long, narrow wings. That's really quite an oversimplification of a pretty complex process. But the albatrosses have definitely figured it out and they're teaching human beings to figure it out too. Scientists at MIT say the drones would be ideal for missions to remote regions where there is no place to recharge batteries along the way and that albatross-inspired drones could lead search and rescue efforts or patrol protected marine areas to make sure no one is fishing illegally in them. The drones could also collect atmospheric data That would allow meteorologists to better forecast the paths of hurricanes and other storms. There's lots more to the story. We'll put it up. Uh, We'll put up a link to the story on our Facebook page. We've been told that folks who don't believe that climate change is real are not persuaded by facts and scientific opinions, but those facts and opinions just keep coming nonetheless, and they keep calling more urgently for decisive action to be taken. Case in point, the world scientists' warning to humanity, second notice. It's a letter published this week in the journal Bioscience and signed by more than 15,000 scientists from 184 countries. It's called a second notice because 25 years ago, a majority of the world's Nobel laureates and other scientists signed a warning letter saying issues such as ozone depletion, forest loss, climate change, and population growth needed to be addressed. The new letter suggests that of nine areas, only one has seen improvement. That's a reduction in chemicals that harm the ozone layer. And the scientists say that especially troubling is what they call the current trajectory of potentially catastrophic climate change, and that soon it will be too late to shift course away from our failing trajectory, and time is running out. We must recognize, they say, in our day-to-day lives and in our governing institutions that Earth with all its life is our only home. The letter was released as the UN Climate Change Conference got underway in Bonn, Germany this week amid what organizers at the conference called a renewed urgency due to extreme weather events like this year's hurricanes and wildfires. Meanwhile, we learned this week that the war-ravaged country of Syria plans to join the Paris Climate Accord in a move that leaves only one United Nations member not supporting the agreement. That one member would be the United States of America. The U.S. ratified the 2015 Paris Agreement last year, but President Donald Trump announced in June that he wants to pull out unless the U.S. can get what he calls a better deal.
1: Draw, read all
2: about it. Here are some of the stories and videos that we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Two elephants walk into a bar. No, it's it's not another variation there. That two elephants really did walk into a bar. And we have the video to prove it, thanks to the folks at AccuWeather. Uh, disclaimer, you have to wait through a 30-second commercial to see the video, but it's kind of worth it. Our man, Mike O'Connor, tells it like it is about the double-crested cormorant and about dismay and pie. Okay, and our friend Kim Nagy comes through again with some fantastic photos of birds and pumas from her recent visit to Belize. We have some of Kim's great photos for you on our Talking Birds Facebook page. We'll have them up there uh, very, very shortly. That is the sound of our mystery bird, and this is a little preview of our mystery bird contest coming along just a little bit later in the show. We'll have a fabulous feeder from Joel Yankees to give away and some wonderful bird food, wild bird fruit from Audubon Park as our prize today. A couple of clues here. Our mystery bird is a stocky songbird of the west and southwest U.S. The male has a blue head, a blue throat, blue wings, an orange chest, and a blue belly. The female is similar but duller in color. Our bird is found in small groups, usually in open woods, often perching on wires or fences. Some clues there and the sound of our mystery bird in our contest coming along just a bit uh, later in our our program here. Meanwhile, thank you, thank you, thank you to more Talking Birds ambassadors spreading the word about our show and about birds and conservation, including... Darlene and Andy from right here on the south shore of Massachusetts. They say they love the shows and contests and Mike and Charlotte and our special guests and our remote broadcast. And they say they've learned a lot from listening to this show. See that, Tim? Right. Well, he was skeptical, but he's coming around. <laughs> and thank you, Scott Keller from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Scott says he discovered the show a few months ago, has been listening to the podcast Every week, and trying to catch up on older episodes. He likes uh, the mix of uh, stuff here for people who are kind of active field birders and backyard birders as well. And by the way, Scott has an amazing blog, definitely worth checking out. We'll put a connection to this on our Facebook page, too, but pretty easy uh, website, maybe, to remember. It's birdwatchinghq.com. Birdwatchinghq.com. Uh, Scott was kind enough to vote our show as one of his favorite podcasts, and uh, he has a whole list of them there. So some great stuff to listen to and to see, birdwatchinghq.com. Talking Birds ambassadors uh, or Talking Birds listeners, if, you, if you'd if you like to become an ambassador, we would uh, love that. So if you're inspired by Scott and Darlene and Andy and so many others joining our ambassadors program We hope you will sign up. Easy to do. Just send uh, out some cards to your friends at your convenience. And easy to sign up for. Just click the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we just mentioned our Ambassador Scott Keller's list of favorite podcasts. Another of his favorites is Bird Note a nationally syndicated feature that airs on public radio stations all around the country. And on this morning's show here, a man who serves as an advisor to and writer for Bird Note will be our special guest. He's Dr. Gordon Oriens, and he'll be here to talk about some of the amazing sensory powers of birds, giving them what he describes as an expanded reality. Also this morning, our man Mike O'Connor will expand our reality as he does every week in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Plus, we'll give away a bird feeder and seed to put in it on our mystery bird contest. Up next, a bird that almost ended up on the dollar bill but wound up on the dinner table instead is today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend has many claims to fame. It's made a big comeback in recent years after its population of about 10 million individuals in North America fell to about 30,000 by the early 1900s thanks to excessive hunting and loss of habitat. Wayne Peterson and Roger Burrows point out in their book, Birds of New England, that this bird is the only native North American animal that has been widely domesticated. They also point out that just a single vote in Congress kept this bird from becoming America's national emblem. Well, it won't come as a surprise to hear that the bird is the wild turkey. Featured here today in association with their Thanksgiving holiday and the connection that that clearly implies. And here are some amazing facts and a little trivia about the wild turkey. <laughs> Evidence indicates they've existed in North America for over 10 million years. Mature turkeys have about 3,500 feathers. The Apache Indians considered the turkey timid and wouldn't eat it or use its feathers on their arrows. Wild turkeys can run up to 25 miles an hour. Wild turkeys can fly up to 55 miles an hour. The fleshy growth, which hangs down over the beak of the male wild turkey, is called the snood. And what do male wild turkeys have on their legs that females do not? That's right, spurs. Yeah, the wild turkey has a lot of attributes that most other birds just can't claim. And is there another bird that has a bourbon named after it? Well, not unless you count old crow. The wild turkey, Meliagris galopovo. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. <laughs> Thanks again for being with us here on our show, number 651. Hope you'll visit us at TalkingBirds.com. Dr. Gordon Oriens is Professor Emeritus of Biology at the University of Washington, Seattle, where he spent his entire career after receiving a Ph.D. in zoology from the University of California, Berkeley. His research interests have covered a variety of themes, especially in connection with behavioral ecology. And relationships between ecology and social organization. He's the author of numerous books on biology, ecology, and evolution. He's also a blackbird expert and author of the book Blackbirds of America. And he's an advisor and writer for a wonderful syndicated public radio program called Bird Note. And he joins us on the phone from the Seattle area right now. Good morning, Gordon. Good morning, Ray. Great to have you on with us. Uh, it was wonderful speaking with you uh, off the air as well the other day. And as when, as you pointed out when we talked, uh, Gordon, one of the things that attracts us to birds is the fact that we can relate to their behavior and how their interaction with the environment mirrors ours in certain ways. They're mostly active in the daytime. Many employ complex social behaviors. They use sight and hearing to make their way, as we do but they also have some sensory abilities that we don't have, and I think you referred to them uh, in a group as expanded reality. Yes, I mean,
3: uh, although birds are in general very similar to us, they do have capabilities uh, that we don't have, and they help us understand that uh, two two important things. One is that... uh, The amount of reality that we can perceive is only a piece of it, and there's more out there, and some other organisms can use it, and we can't. And the second important message is that it helps us think about the fact that our nervous systems and the nervous systems of any animal evolved to help us uh, solve problems, to meet the challenges of life, Mm. and if uh, something was not a challenge for our ancestors, it is unlikely that we will have built into our nervous system any ability to, to deal with it when, if it does come up. So birds help us understand those, those two things and why reality is therefore bigger than we can actually perceive it.
2: Mm, one of those realities for birds, I guess, the ability to perceive ultraviolet light. So they are seeing things kind of a whole lot differently than we are.
3: Uh, Yes, uh, at least some birds can see ultraviolet light. We don't know how many can, but uh, some of them do. And there are species such as the European blue tit, where it was first discovered, that uh, to us, male and female blue tits look alike. But it turns out that the males have head feathers that reflect ultraviolet light and that uh, the males that uh, are better at reflecting it are more attractive to females. And so that uh, males and females look different to blue tits, even though they look the same to us.
2: I think about uh, the hearing part, too. Don, uh, Don kruzma a great expert in bird song, has talked about the idea that maybe birds even hear their songs differently than we hear them, almost in a slow motion effect. You
3: know, well, bird, you know a bird again, the temporal patterns of a bird song are very, very complex and we can't perceive them directly and we have developed machines that enable us to dissect these songs Mm. and in fact very much of scientific development is to uh, our ability to make machines instruments that can expand our reality we can make instruments that see ultraviolet light, we can make instruments that can detect the very complexities of bird songs and using them uh, we can uh, get some handle on how birds actually perceive it. So these instruments are a part of our extended reality.
2: hmm And what about when we're trying to find our way? We have instruments for that, too, like GPS, yeah. for example. Uh, but uh, you've talked about birds having an inherited navigation instinct so that young birds, for example, on their first trip to somewhere that they've never been before can generally find their way there, right? Yes, this is absolutely remarkable.
3: Uh, Experiments have shown that many, many birds have the ability to truly navigate. And to navigate, you have to have two things. You have to have a map, that is, you have to know where you are, Mm -hmm. and you have to have a compass that that tells you uh, where you have to go if you want to get to your destination. Mm -hmm. We are a non-migratory species. Uh, We have intrinsically none of this. We can get lost three blocks from our house. And uh, the only way we uh, navigate around locally, we learn all the features. But birds uh, discovered we have discovered that have a built-in compass. Uh, You displace a bird from uh, uh, away from its home, and it knows where it is and uh, knows the direction to get back. So it has both a map and a compass, uh, and, and birds use. Uh, a combination of uh, the Earth's magnetic field, they can perceive it. Um, mostly there are receptors in the upper bill uh, that the birds perceive the, the um, magnetic field of, of the Earth so they know which way is magnetic north or magnetic south. And they, they also then uh, have uh, the ability to uh, navigate using the stars Experiments have put birds in planetaria and moved the stars around and find that the birds are oriented using patterns of constellations in the sky. And these are really truly remarkable uh, because uh, we've developed the ability to do that, but it took a long time. And it's only rather recently that um, uh, navigators have known uh, what longitude is. Uh, Latitude was easy to figure out, but in order to figure it longitude, you had to have a clock. And it wasn't until fairly recently that we figured that one out. So birds knew all of this long before we ever figured it out.
2: And the sense of smell, Gordon, too. We think of uh, vultures (laughs) and seabirds having a great uh, olfactory skill, but I guess we're learning more about songbirds having more sense of smell than we used to think, including gray catbirds, as an example.
3: Yes, um, we have well known for some time that some birds, and not surprisingly, uh, vultures would, uh, since they're finding uh, rotting flesh somewhere, that uh, it would be a good idea to be able to smell, Uh, and that some of these seabirds that are out in the ocean have to find prey that they can detect oil. Uh, up to 20 kilometers away, which is truly remarkable. But <clears throat> we're also learning that, that some some birds, and the great catbird was the first one, that I think, this where this was discovered, uh, that they can uh, use smell to locate things. And where we would expect, where I expect to find it more in <clears throat> birds that we don't yet know, is the birds that uh, feed on, <clears throat> on fruit, where uh, ripening fruit. Uh, releases volatile chemicals that can be perceived. uh, And that would be uh, among the birds I think would be most likely to be able to benefit from locating things by smell. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so I I bet we're going to learn a lot more in the the coming decade or so that there are birds that we thought Mm -hmm. were like us and didn't smell very well, uh, that they actually do much better than we realize.
2: Just a few of the expanded reality aspects of birds' sensory abilities. Dr. Gordon Oriens is Professor Emeritus of Biology at the University of Washington, Seattle, and advisor and writer for the syndicated public radio program Bird Note. Find out more about that program, by the way, at birdnote.org. Gordon, we mentioned in the introduction about your expertise uh, concerning blackbirds. We'd love to have you on the show here again sometime to talk about that topic. And thanks for being on with us. Yeah.
3: I'm always happy to talk about blackbirds, but you have to remember that I'm a professor, and I usually get 50 minutes to do that.
2: <laughs> okay. We'll give, a, we'll give you a longer time next time as well, for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon.
3: This is a pleasure.
2: Up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Did you know that the coffee you drink can help save the birds we love? tropical forest is disappearing. Big agriculture is replacing family farms with eco-desert sun coffee plantations. You can help by drinking Birds and Beans coffee. The only brand in the U.S. that uses only shade grown, organic, fair trade, certified bird friendly beans. Great for birds and farmers and for the earth we all share. And now Birds and Beans announces its holiday gift box. Perfect for your coffee loving friends. 12 12 ounce bags of great tasting Birds and Beans coffee. Two bags each of Wood Thrush Breakfast Roast. American Reds Start Light Roast, Scarlet Tanager French Roast, Chestnut Sided Warbler Medium Roast, Baltimore Oriole French Roast Decaf, and the newest roast, King Bird Espresso. All ground and ready to brew, or whole bean if you like. And all for $120, a savings of more than $40. Shipping still only $9.50, any volume, anywhere in the U.S. This offer ends soon, so order online now at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. Our mystery bird contest is sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. And this would be the sound of our mystery bird. We are really short on time this morning, so we urge you extra urgently to uh, call us as soon as you can on our mystery bird contest. Tell us what the bird is or take your guess. We have a beautiful Droll Yankees New Generation Metal Finch Sock Feeder. As our prize, and then a bonus prize, a full case of Audubon Park Peanut Delight Suet. I believe that is 12 packages. That's pretty cool. A double prize. Our mystery bird is a stocky songbird of the West and Southwest U.S. The male has a blue head, a blue throat, blue wings, an orange chest, and a blue belly. The female is similar, but much duller in color. Our bird is often found in small groups, usually in open woods, often perching on wires or fences. That's our mystery bird. Tell us what it is or take your guess at 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Cape Cod. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Our friends at Audubon Park remind us that they're counting on us. It's the time of year when birds really need nutritious, high-energy food to help them cope with cold weather. Look for Audubon Park Wild Bird Food and be confident that you're providing the proper nutrition for your backyard visitors. Audubon Park is family-owned and food safety certified. And for the best photos, news, alerts, and more, sign up for Audubon Park's free e-newsletter sent to your inbox once a month. Sign up at AudubonPark.com. That's AudubonPark.com. Now a word from Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Down to Cape Cod, the Bird Watchers General Store, and Mike O'Connor. And Mike, I want to start off this morning by giving you a, a little round of applause here. If you may. We're not going to give you this every week now, just for today, something <laughs> kind of special.
0: Cool. I'll take, it. I'll take it when I can get it.
2: Well, that's just congratulations for your record-breaking Hat Full of Potatoes Day. You gave out, am I right, $700? Hatfuls? Yeah,
0: close to seven hundred oh. hats we gave out. People brought, came by, and we, and we loaded them up with hats, 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 of full of potatoes. And now people will go home and eat potatoes, and they'll decide we don't need to eat turkeys this year, exactly. and we just saved thousands of turkeys.
2: Yeah. Turkey industry going right down the tubes here in Massachusetts. Anyway, <laughs> they're going to have to go to potatoes. And and you and you uh, you, you gave away like seven hundred hatfuls of potatoes, but you still had some left over. So you donate them to some good places, right?
0: Right. Yeah. A lot of the soup kitchens and a lot of organizations have like a Thanksgiving holiday, and, and so we provide the potatoes for them. You know, where people can come in and get a meal for free and that stuff. So we give those away.
2: Pretty cool. Meanwhile, uh, this is all leading into the idea that this, we're into the holiday season and people are looking around for stuff to, uh, you know, get as gifts. And um, we kind of figure binoculars is, my, is, is maybe kind of a good item.
0: Yeah, binoculars is a nice uh, gift I- item because a lot of people won't buy it for themselves to put out a feeder and and, and things. But a, a nice gift item is a binoculars. The trouble is people get a little bit confused by them because they come a lot of shapes and with a lot of numbers and stuff. And so I I'm going to mention today is just focus on... I think the average birder, I think a lot of your listeners uh, are backyard birders. And so if you want to get a friend or a spouse, a pair of binoculars, uh, my quick advice is to, first of all, decide if it's uh, for a man or a woman. Uh, it's going to be a little sexist here, but that's kind of the way it is in this industry. Is If you're buying them for a woman, they tend to, my customers, they could go, if females come in, they go right for the compact binoculars. Hmm. Small, handy, fits their hands a little bit better, and it's not a lot of weight. So, if you're buying one for your if your wife, your girlfriend, your mother, your aunt, probably better choice getting a compact binocular, something small, something handier. Conversely, if you're buying for a brother or, or a husband or an uncle, maybe something full size, a little bit bigger because their hands are larger, their heads are bigger, and they just fit them comfortably. The next question is uh, magnification. Ninety percent of what we sell are eight magnification. I know people want to get them as strong as possible. they say, "'Oh, my eyes are bad, I want really strong it doesn 't work that way because if you got a hundred power binoculars, the image would be a hundred times larger, but it would be blurry it, would, it wouldn't you, you would your hands shake when you increase the magnification. The image gets darker, the field gets narrower and boy they 'll stick with that kind of an eight all around magnification which just makes them a good, clean, sharp image. And secondly, is the price. Binoculars run from $40 to $4,000. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should spend $4,000. Absolutely. No, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really think for, for the average backyard birder, mm-hmm. I think a $100 price range. I know a lot of birders will cringe at that, but mm-hmm. I really, we sell a lot of 100 to $150 binoculars, and people are happy with those um, because they're just looking at cardinals in the backyard. Yeah. And oh, okay. There's the music. We got to go. But I, there's one more thing: is this um, binoculars are personal, so personal. So if you get a pair, try to get them from a place that the gift receiver can swap them if they're not at all happy with them. Yeah. But I think yeah. uh, I'm kind of locally. there's my little plug
2: for that. All right, power to the people. Eight all power right. in this case. <laughs> all right, Mike. Happy Thanksgiving, Ray. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week. You got it. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. If we have even time to get to a call or two, we're going to try here. Uh, where are we going first here? Uh, to uh, uh, to uh, Rick, uh, no, to uh, Ted. Hello, uh, Rick or Ted. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Is that Ted or Rick? Rick. Hello, Rick. What do you think How you about it? Good, thank you. How about our Mystery Bird, Rick? How about a Lazuli Bunting? Ooh, interesting guess. A so lazuli or lazuli bunting, but uh, uh, Tim has just activated the the uh, buzzer there that seems to indicate that would not be the uh, answer we were looking for. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Rick. Let's go to tin, uh, Ted. Not tin and lead, but Ted in Lynn. Good morning, Ted. Morning, Ray. Good morning. How about our mystery bird, Ted? What do you say? Uh, I was guessing the lazuli bunting also. Oh, two guesses for the LB. Ooh. Tim is giving you the word there. Ted, thank you so much. Try us again. Okay. All okay, right. Yeah. Catherine is in Delhi, New York. Good morning, Catherine.
3: Good morning.
2: Good morning. We have a couple of Lazuli or Lazuli bunting guesses there, which didn't appear to be correct. What uh, What do you say?
1: I think it's a western bluebird.
2: Let me check. Yes, a western bluebird. Yay! Nice job. Congratulations. Uh, Sorry we're short on time here. Catherine, stay on the line and we'll uh, take care of things there. Thank you. All right, thank you. Catherine there in Delhi, New York, correctly identifying the western bluebird. Before we go, don't forget to get big savings for the holidays on great-tasting coffee from Birds and Beans, the only coffee brand in the U.S. that uses only 100% shade-grown, organic, fair-trade, Smithsonian bird-friendly certified beans. Get them at birdsandbeans.com. Next week, a man who did something truly amazing. He spent an entire year searching for birds, traveling to every continent on Earth, and he sighted more species in those 12 months than anyone else had ever done before. He's Noah Stricker, and he'll be our special guest here on Talkin' Birds next week. And we'll see you next week, and happy Thanksgiving. The bird
1: show. I like
0: that. I that. Ray Brown's Talkin' Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store or Leanscape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors llbean.com By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels Celestron.com By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee birdsandbeans.com And by Chimani, visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you Chimani.com